Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. It is Friday. That could only mean one thing. Legends of Sport Friday with Andy Bernstein. Hey Andy, how are you? I'm great, Arash. I'm great. Always thrilled to be with you on Legends of Sport Friday, pal. I am so uh, lucky because not only do we get to do this every Friday, I actually get to see you in person a ton this week. I, I really haven't gone to crypto a ton this season, which is your home away from home. Perhaps yeah. some, some weeks more of your home than your actual home. Uh, Lakers, Clippers, Kings, exciting time there. Um and then LeBron, you know, going, doing LeBron things 2020. Um, what, I mean, because they, they've done an amazing job at crypto. Depending on wh- what game you're at, you know you're at a Clippers game. You know you're at a Lakers game. You know you're at a Kings game. How is it different shooting all three teams? Well, I tell you something, man. It, it's really unbelievable to see how they can transform the arena uh, from one team to the next, one game presentation to the next. It's like if you lived, you know, had your house and then people came in and redid your house, it's the same <laughs> house, you know, but yeah. from one day to the next, it, it was completely different, different furniture, different lighting, different everything. Um, it's been exciting. Um, yeah, I've been through this at the arena for over 23 years. We just had our 251st double header, believe it or not, wow. which was last Saturday, which, which was Clippers to Kings. I'm sorry, Clippers to Lakers. Wow. And then bookended with uh, Kings games. And um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to see all three teams in the playoffs at the same time. And they're home at the same time. You know, they're all, you know, all three are the visiting teams in their series. So, yeah, it's so interesting. It's, I think it's only the third time that's happened that all three teams have been in the playoffs in the history of the arena. And it hasn't happened in 10 years, I believe. Yeah. Um, loved this week's episode. And I love how you expand our minds. Yes, this is a sports talk show. But listen, big, big news this, this week. Joe Biden announcing uh, his intention uh, to, uh, you know, listen, he, he wants to be president again. And why not? Pete Souza, one of the most amazing photographers, because not only did he shoot Barack Obama, Ronald Reagan as well. I mean, the the the, the it's just the the stories he could tell. What was it like? And again, uh, I, I'm always curious how you guys cross paths and how you meet. First of all, Pete Souza, amazing career. How did you guys cross paths? Well, I'm a big fan of photography and photographers. Um, they don't have to be sports photographers. Um, I actually uh, 
sort of got into this business by really wanting to emulate some of the great news and documentary photographers of all time. So as a fellow photographer, I, you know, have tremendous respect and admiration for other photographers and other genres. You know, they could be fashion photographers, architecture photographers, um, landscape, animals, nature, doesn't matter. Um, of course, news photographers who I'm around all the time and my, you know, brothers in arms and sisters in arms, um, sports photographers. Pete Souza crossed um, my consciousness while he was uh, the chief White House photographer under Barack Obama in his first um, first term. And then it, that, that just accelerated because Pete was would be posting stuff um, of his travels with the with the president all the things that he was doing, all the behind the scenes stuff. It was just truly mind blowing. And what, as I found out more about Pete, I wanted to include him in our legendary photographers series. We've done, I think 12, I think Pete might be number 13 in, in the series of legendary photographers. And all of them have, um, have, have some, uh, thread of sports. So I, uh, I didn't have to rack my brain too hard, Arash, because, you know, Pete broke into the business as a fledgling news photographer, but had to do sports assignments and had to do um, portraits of, of athletes, you know, when he was breaking in um, early in his career and also in college. So it's not like foreign to him, but we had a great conversation about the crossover of sports and his, his experience photographing the president, who, as you know, is a huge sports fan. <laughs> uh, president Obama loved basketball. So there were great stories about that. Awesome. Love those. With that said, Legends of Sport Friday, White House photographer Pete Souza. He was right. president. And so that was uh, uh, one of the funny moments was we were uh, backstage with uh, the manager, then manager John Farrell. Uh, the owner, John Henry, and Larry Lucchino, the, I think his title was VP general manager or whatever. And he's talking to them, and, and um, I'm trying to remember the name of the room that they were in, uh, before they went out to the South Lawn for the big public ceremony. Uh, and he turns and points to me, and says to these three guys, well, this is the, your this is your biggest fan right here. That's awesome. So I have a funny picture of <laughs> President Obama with his arm out towards me and the three of them looking quizzically at me. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, now, President Obama, of course, big basketball fan, like you said. Um, Kobe used to talk about how they had those special moments together playing, yeah. you know, a little bit of hoop in the, I guess, in the White House had as a court or something. I don't know, but um, you have any memories of that? Of, of yeah, so of that Mamba was himself? in, in um, twenty ten for mm -hmm. his fiftieth birthday. I mm. believe it was. It was or no, it was his forty ninth birthday. Actually, um, he invited a bunch of uh, NBA players. Um, to, to play basketball with him before this uh, before we had this barbecue at, at, at the White House. Mm -hmm. And um, so like Chris Paul was there, LeBron was there. Now Kobe was injured at the time, so he didn't play, but he came. Yeah. And he sat in the stands and there were only a few 
less than 50 people watching this game with yeah. all these NBA stars, President Obama, President Obama's high school friends and former teammates. Wow. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting is Kobe sat next to Bill Russell the entire time. And those two were chatting yeah. almost doing, the entire yeah, uh, doing what Kobe uh, does. Happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Wow. Um, I know that uh, that the president, it must have been an unbelievable experience for him, right? I mean, you're the president. You can just call anybody to show up at the White House, but he's got the top. Well, I mean, the run. interesting thing is um, he's a super competitive guy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And think about, you know, your chance to take on LeBron or, <laughs> right. you know, Chris Paul or whatever. But these guys got to be careful for two dual reasons. One, you know, they don't want to get injured in a pickup game, right. but they also don't want to cause an injury to the president. Of course. States, you know? Right. And who's calling fouls? Would anybody call the fouls on the president? Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of <laughs> called their old fouls. Now, yeah. I'll tell you the one, the one super competitive, um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna forget who it was, but you know Reggie Love, who was Reggie his Love, body yeah. guy and and formerly of Duke, mm -hmm. uh, was playing as hard as anybody because he is as competitive as Barack Obama, and yeah, he didn't yeah. care about getting himself injured. So it was kind of fun to watch That's Reggie awesome. play. Well, you have that great moment in in your documentary. The way I see it. Um, it's not the way I see it. It's how I see it. What was it? The way I see it. Yeah, the, the way, way I see it. I always yeah, get that messed up. So you have that great moment in your documentary, The Way I See It, where you have Reggie Love and, and the president really going at it. I mean, they were like not holding back. And uh, I guess the president uh, blocked a shot on Reggie. He yeah. came over to you and, yeah. and he said, what did he say? He said... Uh, he, he wanted to see if I had gotten the block. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. with the digital cameras, of course, you can look on the back of the camera. So I'm scrolling sure. through and I come to the frame where, you know, he's blocking Reggie's shot. And yeah. he just said, make that a jumbo, meaning <laughs> hang that on the wall, the West Wing, you know. <laughs> just rub it into Reggie, right? Right. Um, yeah, I've had that experience a few times. Back in the film days, more prominently, um, Carl Malone used to have this famous dunk where he used to put his hand behind his head and then dunk it, you know. And then he'd swoop around, and I'm sitting under the basket, and he'd come like right in my face as he's turning. He goes, "You get that one?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. And of course, that was digital. I don't know if I got it or not. Right. So of course, you know, it was obligatory that the next time I would see him, I would have a print of that. Right. right. <laughs> and now I find out that he's using that that as his icon as his sort of you know thing that he uses for his social media it's great i love it <laughs> so pete um you and i um you know we kind of operate in different kind of spheres but we have a lot of similarities man i mean you work around very high-powered people you're in tense situations you you have actually have to always have a sixth sense um you know the first thing I want to talk about really is about access and trust, all right? And people ask me this, and I never really have a great answer for it, so I'm going to ask you and see what you have. What what was it about you, your personality, you as a, as a human being, that really allowed the president, more than anybody, but, you know, in a trickle-down effect, to really trust you, to really let you in, to allow you to be a fly on the wall, to be at, at the most intimate and personal and difficult and painful moments and, and historic moments. I mean, 
Is there something about you yourself, Pete, you know, that, that made that happen? Because I tend to be very like self-deprecating about that. And I just like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. but I really sit back. I have to really look at my personality and what, what that had to, I guess, add to it. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the advantages for me was I knew him before he was president mm -hmm. um, when he was a, a U.S. senator. Right. And I had been working for the Chicago Tribune, and um, we, we did a, a kind of a, a documentary, not film-wise, but uh, photo-wise, of his first year in the Senate. Mm -hmm. And so I was in his, you know, private space a lot. And so he got this chance to know me professionally and see how I worked around him. Okay, that doesn't really answer your question, but that's that's a part of it. Okay. Right. right. And then you that just I mean I think yeah. I think it is partly my personality uh, in that you've got to learn that you're there as an observer. You're there to to visually document. You're not there to be a participant. Mm -hmm. And uh also you've got to be able to uh know when the guy might need some space, you know, and that's just the sixth sense. I mean, he um, talks about it. He talks about me a little bit in his memoir that I had this uh, knack of being able to almost be invisible uh, in the room, you know, even when he was stressing over these major decisions, even when he was in the situation room during the bin Laden raid, um, it's almost as if I became part of the presidency. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's something that I don't know that you can teach. It's something that you just have to learn how to uh, do. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it, it, it sort of fit my personality. You know, I'm kind of a inherently uh, shy person. I mean, if you had known me as a kid, you know, I was not an A-type personality. Um, and so I'm just kind of a low-key guy. And, I, and, you know, and I just kind of learned how to maneuver in those situations without interrupting what was going on. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I say, you know, people like to use the, the term fly on the wall. I don't really think I was a fly on the wall because I was moving around a lot. <laughs> um, but, right. you, you know, you just learn how to do that in a way that doesn't disrupt what's taking place. Yeah. It is a, it is a um, a sixth sense, maybe a seventh sense. I don't know. I mean, I you know became very close with Phil Jackson over the years, and I always knew like when he came in the locker room or the training room, and he gave me that look, just like that millisecond of a look. I knew that was time to go. <laughs> you know, it's like that's the look I'm going to get. I'm not going to push it any further. Um, was there ever a moment, Pete, um, where? The president said, not now, or this isn't, you know, I don't want that shot or anything like that. That has only happened actually once in my career. But for you, in your experience in the White House, did that ever happen? Yeah, it did. It happened once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and rather, I mean, so I think that, but I was usually uh, cognizant of, you know, when it was time to, mm -hmm to step away for a second. And, and oftentimes if he was going to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation where um, he was going to make the other person maybe feel uncomfortable, you know, in terms of what he was going to say to them, mm -hmm. you know, he didn't want, he didn't want that person to be embarrassed by having mm -hmm. me there photographing. And I got that. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that's just an, you know, that's just common sense, right? Yeah. Um, now, if it was, and this was a, you know, usually, if it was a, you know, a, you know, a, like a personal type conversation, not policy. You know, there were disagreements with policy all the time, mm-hmm. um, and I would always be there while they were having those arguments, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking more like a personal. Yeah. Thing. And, you know, you just have to sort of feel that out. Sure. And there was one time where I didn't, I, mm-hmm. I misjudged uh, the situation and he, he asked me to leave. Yeah. And I'm sure it was polite. I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, this has happened to me once. I'll share it with you. I was, I was with Kobe, you know, I spent 20 years with the guy. I spent his, his last day on April 13, 2016 was his final game. He, he allowed me to be with him from the beginning of his day to the end of the day, right? So I went down to Newport Beach. I was with him 7.30 in the morning. He's in his office doing work, you know, on a game day. <laughs> Excuse me. And then um, we get in the helicopter. We fly up to um, downtown. He's asleep the whole time in the helicopter. And then, you know, I'm shooting all the time. And, you know, just like you, flying the wall, just kind of staying out of the way, letting him do his thing. And then we get in the limo from from the office building <clears throat> where the helipad was to Staples Center, which is only a few blocks. And as we turn the corner to Staples Center, he sees everything going on. There's huge posters and banners and every person has a Kobe jersey and the whole thing. And I go to take a picture and I, I actually had a blimp because it was, you know, he, I just wanted to be so silent. And, I, and he just put his hand in and he goes, not now, man, I got to take this in. <laughs> You know, it was so powerful for him, you know, but that's really the only time that um, with him that I ever had that experience. Um, <clears throat> you know, Pete, unlike. Can I, can I say one thing? Yeah. That, yeah. That maybe you, 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 it, it is, is related to that. I, I, I thought was very interesting is um, uh, President Obama had this conversation with Derek Jeter after, you know, he he had retired and Derek was talking about how he had a photographer follow him mm-hmm. uh, pretty much his his final year um, at all the, you know, ceremonies at different stadiums and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And he regretted not having somebody do that throughout his career. Really? Which I thought was interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, I mean... Look, when Kobe was a rookie or whatever, not, you know, none of us could project twenty years ahead. But no, I just knew I knew something was special about this guy. I had the access, you know, through the Lakers that I had built, and it just sort of organically happened, you know. And then he started wanting me and trusting that I'd be there and all that. Um, you know, Pete, um, you and I also have to at all times be locked in and doing our job, right? I mean, I I tell young photographers all the time, if you're watching what's happening, you're not doing your job, okay? You have to have your eye in the viewfinder. You have to tune everything out. That's what you're there being paid to do. And you have been in some unbelievable situations, man. I mean, I don't know how 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 you did it. I mean, in the documentary, I just shook my head. I mean, you're... You know, I, I think mostly of the Sandy Hook tragedy and going up there and being with the, the families and being with the president and that poignant photo, that amazing photo that you took of him hugging the, one of the moms and, and um, you know, other national tragedies. And 
I mean, I have a whole laundry list here. The disasters that you had to go to with the president, Iran-Contra with Reagan, even going back to that. Um, I thought it was amazing, you know, that, that Nancy Reagan asked you personally to come and accompany the president's body back to Washington and, and document that because she knew how important that was to the country and to her, of course, and her family. Um, how do you do it, Pete? I mean, really, how did you do it? Did you just tune everything out? Is that how it worked? I, I wouldn't say that I tuned everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that there, there certainly were times where I got um, caught up in the emotion. Um, I think Sandy Hook, you mentioned, was mm-hmm. the, the one that affected me more so in the moment than, than you know, perhaps any other situation I've, I've been in just because of the horrendous nature of that. Okay, let's leave it there for now. Amazing conversation. Legends of Sport Friday. Legendary White House photographer Pete Souza again. You know, generally uh, you'll 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 hear from a legendary sports figure, a sports uh, you know, player, coach. I uh, just love the fact that uh, you're hearing some amazing stories from legendary White House photographer Pete Souza. So you'll hear some more stories when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. It's Legends of Sport Friday. And again, we only played just a snippet of this these amazing conversations and i know that there's probably you you want more well the good news there is more and andy how can they get more well you can always get more at the <laughs> sport website <laughs> which is a sport.net the podcast the audio podcast can be found uh at apple and spotify and all your favorite podcast platforms including our home base which is iheart and that's just Legends of Sport on your podcast platforms. And our YouTube and TikTok channels, the YouTube channel has the full video of my conversation with Pete. So Legends of Sport there. And, uh, you know, people want to check out our Instagram at Legends of Sport. My photography can be found at ADB Photo Inc. So, Andy, we've talked about this before, but the one thing you and Pete do so well in these pictures our, our, our stand the test of time is that when a figure, and so I'll just use Kobe in this, you had this beautiful portrait when you had the event at 
the ice house in Pasadena. It's, you know, Kobe post game, you know, his, his um, heads on his hand and post game, just in deep up. And Pete has to do the same thing with Barack Obama. In these intense moments, you have to be a fly on the wall. And it's cliche to say, but it's hard to do. You have a camera. It's it's taking these these these, these pictures. How can you do that? And, and and just take take me through that. I mean, do you know in the moment that oh my god, this is a shot. This is going to be an amazing shot. Well. <clears throat> Kind of. I mean, it depends on the gravity of the situation that you're in. You know, Pete um, Pete and I share a lot in common when it comes to photographing famous people. I mean, he's had to photograph, you know, I say it in the podcast that, you know, I've been in front of some very famous athletes. He happens to have photographed the most powerful man in the world. <laughs> yeah. And you have, to, you have to elicit that trust. You have to earn that trust. Um you have to be invisible, a fly in the wall, but yet you're part of what's going on, part of this, the scene, part of the scenario. You know, Pete never shied away from, from getting the access that he needed, um, asking the Secret Service, asking whoever he had to, to be in the place where he needed to be. And he told various stories about that. Um, I was the same way. You know, I was dealing with uh, Gary Vitti, of course, the head trainer for the Lakers, great friend. You know, if Gary hadn't given me sort of carte blanche to the training room, I never would have had the access I had going back to Showtime. So when Shaq and Kobe came and Phil Jackson came as coach, you know, I wouldn't have built that sort of loyalty and cachet. Built it, uh, uh, Pete did the same thing by building that with uh, with Reagan, with President Reagan, when he was a part of the staff of the White House photography. Um, and Pete has a very unassuming personality. Um, he's, he's aggressive, but in, in not in a annoying, sort of pushy way. Um, I try to pride myself in that as well. Um, I think Pete has a more low-key personality than I, ha than I have. Um, However, the goal is the same, to be in the position to document moments that are historically significant. In my case, it's sports. In his case, it's, it's you know, the history of the world. I mean, literally. You know, and there's amazing stories in his books, um, in our podcast, in, in, his, um, in his documentary, which is unbelievable. His documentary, which is on MSNBC, I think now it's, it's being hosted by... I believe by Netflix, uh, the way I see it. And it takes you through Pete's process and how he maneuvers himself into these positions of being able to document these historic moments. Yeah, it, it was just such an amazing conversation. And I love it because a lot of times when you're in sports, like, like we are, this is what you're used to. And so this conversation was so enlightening. And I think a lot of the folks out there, whether you're driving around or you're hearing the podcast, maybe you weren't expecting this, but you never know what to expect on Legends of Sport Friday. So with that said, let's not hear the second part of the conversation. It is legendary White House photographer, Pete Souza. But you must have been feeling like I got to do something here. I mean, I, ha I have some kind of obligation. Is that what it was? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, one of the first photos I posted uh, post White House on my now 
you know, personal account was a picture of him, President Obama, sitting on the edge of the Resolute desk in, in front of those big, huge windows with, he had these kind of red curtains. Uh, and and, it, <laughs> and um, this is after seeing a photo of the redecorated Oval Office in gold. And, you know, instead of one American flag and one presidential flag, there were like 10 flags. And, you know, it looked like a Saudi palace. And so I posted this photo of President Obama Mm -hmm. And I just said something like, uh, kind of like the old curtains better. Right. And, you know, obviously it was a play on the, the, the Trump Oval Office. Sure. And I didn't know that whether people would get what I was, you know, the mm-hmm. double meaning of what I was saying. And they, they did, you know, yeah. they were like, well, people oh, jumped Susan's on that thrown right shade, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so as things progressed over those first few months, I would do these kind of humorous captions mm-hmm. that didn't really refer to exactly what was going on. And you had to be keeping up with the news to understand it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and uh, you know, I think that's how it all, it just kind of organically started. And how, what was the reaction from your former boss? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, was it kind of a wink, wink, you know, go ahead, Pete, you know, because he, he didn't say much, um, you know, once no. Trump took office, uh, President Obama kind of, you know, let things play out until he really had to speak up, right? Um, anyway, I, I'm just curious, you know, how I mean, the, the, the funny thing about that year of 2017 was while I was doing these, you know, humorous, snarky posts on Instagram, I was also um, working on my book, Mm -hmm. which was a straight, you know, documentary book on his eight years. Um, And so I had like these two different things going on where, you know, for 90 percent of the day i was working on my book and for like you know 10 minutes a day i was making a snarky post which was getting all the attention you know Mm -hmm. and and i and i never purposely purposely never talked to president obama about the shade yeah and uh i i didn't i didn't even like i don't even know if he knew oh he was loving i'm sure some of his friends were telling him of course um yeah. You know, I thought it was important for, for people to know that this is me talking. Yeah. This yeah. is only me. This is yeah. not him. This is me talking. Right. So. So interesting, man. And, you know, my world, you know, when I walk into an arena, the NBA owns everything I shoot, you know. And I when I did the book with Kobe, we had to go back. The publisher had to go back and license my photos, my yeah. pictures back, right? Right. right? So, you know, working for the government, I would assume yeah. they own everything, right? So, how did that whole approval process work, especially yeah. for your personal Instagram? Yeah, no, it's um, it's it's a little different in, mm-hmm. in that there is actually no copyright. It's uh, it's considered public domain. Oh, okay. So anything that had been made public during his administration, whether it had been on 
Facebook, on Flickr, if we had given photos to NBC for something or other, mm-hmm. all those are public domain. And so that's what I used. I used all, I, my, that was my where I pulled from anything mm-hmm. that had already been made public domain. I was free to use anybody who was able to use those in mm-hmm. any way they want. Now for my book, um, there were maybe, I don't know, between maybe 20 and 50, I don't even know the number, photos that had not yet been made public domain. And for those, he had to sign off on, you mm-hmm. know, before I put them in my book. Yeah. And there's a whole process with the rest of the photographs on when they become, you know, a quote unquote public domain. Gotcha. You know, that's, and it's kind of similar with us. I mean, with uh, all the MBA photographers, if, if the, if whatever we shot was posted on Getty, yeah. Then, then we're allowed to use it, yeah. right? Yeah. Doesn't have to have been published anywhere per se, um, but as long as it's on Getty. So, or we have to ask for approval. And you know, yeah. anyway, that's. It, I was always curious about how that worked. Yeah, but it's it's it. And then there, like like you mentioned, you know, I, I worked during the Reagan administration, mm-hmm. so it's enough time has gone by mm-hmm. that literally every photo from the Reagan days is public domain now. Right. You know, right. so any photograph. I could use, you could use, if you want, you know, if you were doing a magazine article on, mm-hmm. you know, the Lakers and Ronald Reagan or something, mm-hmm. and you could go to the archive and if any of those photos exist, you could use them. I see. I, I had no yeah. idea. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, Pete, I want to talk about this book. You sent me this book. I absolutely love it. I have sent it to other people. Um, this is an amazing book. I got to say, because there's not one picture of the subject of the guy you worked for in this book. Everything is behind the scenes. Everything is giving um, incredible light and respect to the people, everyone around the president, everyone that made that work. Um, I know as well as you, like if I'm not friends with the trainers and the physical therapists and, you know, um, the security people, uh, the bus drivers, you know, everybody from top to bottom. Um, I can't get, I can't do my job, right? I, they got to be like my best friends. They got to be on my Christmas card list. You know, I got to take care of them on the road, all that stuff, right? And it's genuine. I, I truly love these guys and, and women. Um, what was the reaction to this book uh, from some of those people? Because, you know, you probably maybe shared photos from time to time with them, but they finally saw it in print and the respect that you, and the honor that you gave them by putting them in this book. Uh, did you get reaction from some of these folks? Yeah, I think they were, they were proud to be yeah. uh, included in a book like that. For sure. Um, and, yeah. you know, and I have great reverence for not just the Obama appointees, but a lot of the uh, pictures are of, of people that serve in the white house, no matter who the, president is these mm-hmm. these are the you know civil service employees whether it's the butlers the chefs the secret service the, right. the military pilots yeah. um i mean they're not you know assigned to one president they they work for multiple mm-hmm. presidents yeah. um and you know the white house could could not function without them for sure yeah yeah it's an amazing book and what what also is just incredible about you is that you never stop looking i mean you know, it, 
a lot of photographers are just looking in front of them and maybe a little bit left and right. You're looking behind you. You're looking on top, below. You got photos of, of guys like going underneath carpets, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Um, I find that just it's so inspiring that you just was, you know, always looking and you always, you always, Pete, seem to have the perfect angle. I don't know how you do that. I'm thinking specifically of many photos of yours, but one specifically when Obama's waving goodbye for the final time, right, on, on that fateful day, <laughs> um, you're inside the helicopter and it. you know, most people would think, well, I got to get, you know, the, the Nixon shot outside the, you know. No, you're inside and you have him perfectly composed, you know, um, exposed the whole thing, waving goodbye with the capital of the background. Um, incredible to me, Pete. I mean, are you consciously thinking that or is it just always, I don't know, luck of the draw, like you happen to be in there and then he waved? I don't know. But I mean, how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I'd say that most 99% of the time, um, uh, just <laughs> I'm not planning anything, yeah. you know, I, I'm just reacting to whatever I see, whether it's in front of me or as you say, behind me mm -hmm. and trying to take it all in, you know, and that's just 30 years of experience, right? Very, being ready, being, preparation, right. knowing your, you yeah. know, the, the, the last day is a different day. I yeah. mean, A, I got to make sure I'm on that helicopter, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first thing. So, you know, that's something that I, talk to the staff about in advance. I have to be on the helicopter as he goes from the Capitol to Andrews, right? Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. um, and then you sort of can, can almost know what he's gonna do. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't, I couldn't say for sure that he was gonna turn and wave, but that seemed like something he would do. So I'm getting myself in a position to be, you know, behind him and, mm -hmm as he's in the doorway, yeah. that kind of thing. Just yeah. something that you sense is going to happen. Mm -hmm. it, you don't know 100% for sure, but that one is like, there's a little bit more thought in the planning than almost anything else I do. Um, mm -hmm. You know, also there's a picture in the book <coughs> of him leaving the Oval Office for mm -hmm. the last time. Right. Again, that's something... Right. I know he's going to do, so I'm thinking about that ahead of time. Right. Whereas most times, as I said, I'm just like going sure. with the flow. Yeah, I can completely relate to that because, you know, Kobe, we knew it was going to be his last game, it's April 13th. In my mind, for months, I'm thinking the last picture has to be of him walking off the court, right? <laughs> I had this guy as a rookie, and first picture is a Laker, last picture is a Laker. <clears throat> and I'm um, just strategizing, you know, we had three photographers at different angles shooting and, but I have to get that shot. Right. And right. to me, the right. shot is walking off the court, waving goodbye for the last time, right. which actually happened. But I almost got blocked by like a 400 pound security guy who just like wasn't moving <laughs> until I like literally pushed him and yelled at him. And I, thank God I knew his name. Um, but I can relate to that, man. And if I hadn't got that shot, you know, I don't even want to think about it because that would it would have been like an incomplete for my career, honestly. Um, Pete, I, I know that, you know, there's so much more we can talk about. I have to I, I'd be remiss if I don't thank you a million times over for sending me that amazing signed print of the Obamas with Bruce Springsteen, who, you know, I have the biggest boy crush on that's um, hanging in our house. 
<laughs> just want to make sure you know that um, the fact that you used high hopes to lead into your documentary <laughs> sealed the deal for me, buddy. Have you seen him on the tour yet? Or are you going to see him on this? I tour? haven't. I'm supposed to go see him on March 9th yeah? uh, in Milwaukee. Yeah, uh, awesome. Great. Yeah. yeah, I saw him opening night. And then I was supposed to see him in Portland and Seattle, but I'm sure you know we got dumped with so storm, much rain yeah. and snow. I couldn't even get out. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. Um, he's gonna come back through, and hopefully, you know, I'll see him in in LA. Um, can you, can you just give us the last thing I want to ask you? It's about it's about getting married in the Rose Garden. I mean, what a moment! What a thing for the president to do for you. Um, you kind of glossed it over a little bit in the in the in the documentary. I got to say, because it, it, what a gesture of of humanity of, of a friendship that he gave to you. Had this is off the cuff that he he was giving you a hard time that you guys weren't married yet. Long yeah, we were. We had been together for seventeen years, and, right? And uh, you know, and he had gotten to know my wife a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, and he liked the joke that he he uh, he liked her better than he liked me. <laughs> um and you know he just was hounding me all the time yeah um and he said oh well we'll you know we'll we'll do it in the rose garden <laughs> and i was like no 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 and he's like what that's not good enough for you <laughs> uh, and i think it was more like i didn't want him to feel pressure that if he were to marry us in the rose garden that he'd have to do it for you know other couples right and he's like no no, no i'm not doing this for anybody else this is just for you so like how do you say no to that right? you don't right. <laughs> you so, say thank you did you he officiate it did he yeah officiate? he did officiate that's just unbelievable pete yeah what a moment what a thing to have happened man that is just so incredible um so pete um you say you say pretty eloquently at the end of your documentary that uh, you're pretty much done as a photojournalist. Um, is that true? Are you thinking of making a comeback or is no? I mean, look, look. Here's the thing: is like I have um, you know gone way beyond the bounds of what you know journalists would do in terms of letting my views be known politically, mm -hmm. and you know I the realization is you know, Time Magazine or the New York Times is not going to hire me for an assignment, especially a political assignment, right? Mm -hmm. So, th that's what I'm talking about. That mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I, am I still doing things photojournalistically? Absolutely. Good. I mean, I've spent some time with uh, Mandela Barnes, the <coughs> um, guy that was running for Senate here in Wisconsin, photographing him journalistically <laughs> excuse me for my instagram mm -hmm. you know because i feel like i'm my my own little publisher now yeah. <laughs> um all right that's all the time we have for this week's edition of legends of sport friday amazing conversation this week with legendary white house photographer pete souza again you never know who you're going to hear from on legends of sport friday um Hope you guys had an amazing weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. Until next week, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.